Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Now, I'm obviously here at my office at home, which is actually my dining room slash uh, wind trainer room slash camera housing space. Um, but the reason I say this is because I'm here in front of my computer, camera, microphone, all of the things, and just out of the corner of my eye, there's something that's shiny and it's catching my attention. It's just catching my eye. Uh, and it is, in fact, uh, an empty Easter egg wrapper. Maybe two. Maybe two empty Easter egg wrappers. Uh, now, I'd like to blame my small human and say that she was in this room uh, devouring Easter eggs. But the truth of the matter is, is that, yes, folks, I have been stealing chocolate from my child. And I feel like it's a... It's, it's a right that we have as parents to steal chocolate from children, from our own children. Maybe don't be stealing it from other children. Um, but the main reason other than I love chocolate, uh, particularly Easter egg chocolate, is that the Easter bunny, I actually should be blaming him or her, um, the Easter bunny went a little bit cray-cray in terms of the Easter egg <laughs> hiding capades here at our house, uh, completely went overboard. Um, and since that day, just a couple of days ago, where we did the great Frankie Flo Easter egg hunt of 2021, it was her first, it was her first Easter egg hunt, really. Um, I've learned a few tricks. Uh, so here I am in case you're a new parent, um, or you've just got kids in your life and you want to do an Easter egg hunt next, next year, if they're young enough and not quite savvy enough yet, from what I understand, the key is to only have, say, maybe a dozen eggs, small eggs, and you carry the bag. So once they find the eggs, they put it in the bag, and then you take them out and you hide them again. So they're just on repeat. So it's a game that lasts for quite some time, but the kid doesn't know how to count. I mean, they might know how to count to 10, but they don't actually know what it means. So you just keep recycling the Easter eggs. Uh, so anyway, there you go. There's my hot tip, my hot cross bun tip, if you will for Easter egg hunting next year. Um, anyway, uh, I actually spoke to Helen Jenkins before Easter because I think in the chat I say have a good Easter, but I can't, I can't remember now. Uh, but I'm here to introduce you to the very lovely uh, Helen Jenkins. I was really pumped to be able to speak to Helen. Uh, I did want to talk to her over a year, a year ago, well, ages ago, uh, but our good friend Helen Murray over at the Inside Try Show um, happened to record an episode with her at the time that I was going to reach out to her. So I didn't want to tread on any toes. So I think I've left it long enough to be able to chat to Helen Jenkins uh, since her chat with Helen Murray at the Inside Try Show. If you don't listen to Helen, she is a great interviewer. You need to check out her podcast. Uh, she speaks to an incredible array of athletes uh, and people just involved in endurance sport as well. Check her out at the Inside Try Show. Uh, but anyway, back to back to our show, the one that I should be hyping up. <laughs> Helen Jenkins, uh, just a, I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to, well, obviously to chat to her, but also to explain to you all my dealings with her, um, with a person who I didn't necessarily know that well, but it spoke volumes to me about the kind of character that she is, that she reached out to me uh, very early on when I had Frankie. And I just, I'll never forget that. I, th I thought it was quite 
quite a lovely uh, act from Helen Jenkins. So we've got lots to talk about, lots to unpack. So enjoy my chat with Helen Jenkins. I'm very excited about this podcast because I actually have been wanting to talk to you for a long time, but you spoke with Helen Murray around the time that I was going to reach out and I, di- I didn't want to, you know, piggyback or, or, or di- dilute uh, Helen Jenkins across the Triathlon <laughs> podcast airways. So I waited a little bit longer and finally I'm here chatting with the lovely Helen Jenkins. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the Wits Up podcast. <laughs> Now, I'm sorry, I'm a bit croaky as well. A uh, bit of a cold, so sorry. <laughs> you actually sound fine. Well, you've got a cold. I'm. I've got that sleepy, just woke up um, <laughs> kind of voice. So we're sweet. It's good. It's, it's that's going to sound sexy, right? I think <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a good combination, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, you were just saying before we hit record that you have listened to a few episodes, and. Do you mind sharing what you were what you were saying that it depends on what kind of mood you're in as to whether you would listen to a triathlon podcast? Yeah, it really does. Like I, I do like a mix of podcasts. Um, and if like everything's going really well and training well and kind of really focused on something, like I'm really happy to listen to kind of triathlon podcasts because it's kind of um, I don't know, it always keeps me motivated and I'm just interested in triathlon. But then if I have a bit of a period where I'm injured or feeling a bit sick, then I'm like, no, I don't need any triathlon. Cause you just, I just feel like you, you feel like how good everyone else is doing or there's too much triathlon. So I need to kind of stress it out for a little bit. I'm the same on social media as well. Like it's, um, if you're not going a hundred percent and then you see like loads of people like, post, I mean, everyone posts the best things anyway, don't they? The best training shots or like the biggest training days, but you're like, you don't need just that constant feed of that. So that's when I kind of, retreat a little bit and just focus on um, kind of what I'm doing yeah I actually saw um I was just scrolling through your Instagram the other day and I saw you say something about comparisons when you're injured and so basically social media being the devil when when you're in that oh, sort of yeah. place yeah I think it's so hard and I think it's so much harder for younger athletes coming through now because it's I mean, I have, um, maybe it's just me as well, but I think all of us have like self-doubts at any age or whatever part you're, it's part of being an athlete is kind of dealing with those self-doubts and, and being able to sure. kind of go out there and perform. But um, I think it must be, I think that's magnified if you're, if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And one of the athletes I train with around here and she's actually just stopped and she's kind of gone into kind of um, doing law now, but she used to say, oh, you know, I've seen someone else, like they've done this much training and they're doing this and I just don't feel like I'm doing that. I was like, oh, but it's, um, but I do the same. It's all of us. And it's just like, no, we have to focus on what we're doing because we just see that tiny snapshot, but it's quite, it's really hard to do. I worry for like, um, like our kids kind of growing up in this and I'm trying to think how I can, because they can't avoid social media, but give them the tools and the resilience to deal with it. Um, and hopefully I'll learn some on the way. <laughs> <laughs> my best mate uh just let her daughter um have instagram and i know that was a that was a big deal um yeah i do also know that she will go above and beyond to give her those tools to make sure that uh she she can handle everything but it's just oh yeah it's it's an interesting world and an interesting future for our kids that's for sure 
yeah and we don't even know what the coolest thing is probably at the moment like I have no clue <laughs> so um yeah, yeah just getting them to deal with whatever comes isn't it but yeah it's um it's a big one and I think I'm, I feel really lucky I had the early part of my career where that kind of wasn't around and even like I stopped um I did my last Olympics in 2016 in Rio and then and even then that it, it was important I think social media but that kind of four years that I've been away from it or three like it's it's you know it's in contracts now what what you need to do how many you need to do and and how you need to post and you see how much kind of it can generate for you so it's yeah it's, it's part of the job now and I, I find it easier to deal with if like this is my job rather than me just sharing kind of everything so yeah yes yeah, it's, it's a different world and it's changed so quick but it's not all negative like some of it's so positive isn't it it's, oh, it's brilliant like yeah. the way to connect and, and get in put yourself out there and, and your brand and who you are I think it's amazing in that sense but I think again when things are great it's good and when you but you're, if you're feeling a bit down it can be quite hard yeah I didn't know that this is the direction we're going to start this podcast no I didn't <laughs> It's, I mean, as you know, you listen to the podcast, it can go anywhere. Um, but I just, I'm just thinking while you're talking, do you remember back, and I don't mean to make it sound like you're old because you're not, but back in the day, way before social media, what significant steps did you make to, to highlight your sponsors and to show off your brand? Like what, what were you doing back then? Yeah, it's, it has changed a lot, I think, because I was, I did, um, I became world champion in 2008, um, really kind of a, a bit of a shock, I think, to, to me and a lot of people, and then went to Olympics and, and didn't do so well, and then well, I did okay, I was just happy to be there, you know, and then I think from that period, 2008, building towards 2012, where, you know, the, the London Olympics, where I was it was, you know, I, I improved kind of year on year. So did get more and more sponsors and being an athlete going towards the home games. I had really good sponsors leading into that time. And, but it was more about um, like almost days of work that you did for them or, you know, you had so many days in your contract, so you'd have to go and do stuff for them. And it was still, you know, which is, and you know, the magazines are still important. I don't think they're out there as, you know, people, used to, people everyone used to go and buy 220 or sort of mm. like some people might ask like a triathlete magazine it used to be quite a big thing didn't it yeah. so um I think still having that kind of your photo on the front of a magazine or that kind of thing was important um but you say like I'm kind of doing this from the olden days like say my husband Mark was um an Olympian he went to Athens 2004 but he was around like before you know when he started in British triathlon there were like two people who work there <laughs> Now you go into the office, there's there's hundreds, hundreds, there's a, there's a big office. He used yeah. to have to fax to find out the races and then they'd fax him back like what they were, and he was starting. So he was racing ITU before Sydney Olympics. And oh, yeah, it's just, it's so, so he's, he, he went to a race in Japan. He said to British Traffic, which, which, you know, airport should I book? And they were like, oh, well, this one should be fine. He was in completely, <laughs> you know, the wrong end of the country. So I think like I, I've had like, go I don't know it's just so different you need to find out all the results in the magazines didn't you rather than just online so it's all changed so much but yeah with sponsors it used to be more about I think days of work putting in and then that trying to get that that media coverage I suppose isn't it but it's it's all that you make your own media now a lot of the time yeah yeah I was having this discussion the other day about media and um 
how every single social every single person's social media platform is uh, yeah like a news site it's a it's it's a biased news site but it's a <laughs> it's a it's a it's a news platform yeah it is isn't it so I, I love some aspects of it and some aspects I find um a bit harder but I'm learning to kind of enjoy it and and yeah it's just part of kind of where we are now isn't it and it's it's, it's so much easier to engage with your sponsors and actually promote the product so if it's and for me like it's I'm working with sponsors I really enjoy working with and care about to get their brand out there is so much mm. easier which I do yeah I do really like yeah um I want to I meant to actually start the podcast this way but then we get five minutes into talking about something else which is standard on my podcast but also just the way that I converse with anyone on a, on a daily basis but and I don't think you know this but um, it, I'm a massive fan of yours. Um, I, <laughs> but I became a much bigger fan of yours, um, obviously just outside of the triathlon racing when I had Frankie and you were one of the first people to reach out and check in on how I was doing. And I, I was, to be honest, I was quite blown away. I don't, I don't know you that, that well. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of conversations in the past, but you reached out and then every now and then you just sort of check in or send me a comment or, and I don't think you realize how much I really appreciated it and was also blown away and a little bit fangirling as well. well that's nice. How old is Frankie now? So uh, Two and a half, three in August. Yeah. So I think that's probably because I was, Mally's um, almost, she's going to be four in August. So they're, yeah, they're about a year. So I think I kind of saw so I think when I've met you before, you might have even said something about kids or not, maybe not having kids. I don't know. So I was like, oh, it, it's just, I kind of think I know how you felt. Like it's um, it's quite a change to go through, isn't it? And then to have a kid and you're motivated and, and driven as well. And then to, it's just such a uh, change of gear, isn't it? To have a kid, like your whole focus from one thing changes to another. So I think it was just checking it and I love being a mum like it's the best thing I've ever done like it's yeah it's yeah. brilliant so I think I I love kind of I suppose talking about it engaging with kind of new mums and things too so that's probably why but yeah it's just changes your life doesn't it yeah it's um yeah probably when we had met in the past I, I'd probably said oh I don't know maybe the kids one day but I don't know and then it, it and I've told this story before it hit me like a ton of bricks that I wanted to have a kid it like just dawned on me one night and I went and told Brett and and then not long after that I flew to Challenge Roth and I just dropped this massive bombshell on him. <laughs> like, like right when I get back <laughs> yeah getting busy <laughs> uh, exactly and then uh yeah I I I knew that I'd obviously love my kid but I had no idea how much I'd enjoy being a mum like I just I, I absolutely love it. It's unreal. She's unreal. It's not not easy, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's cha- challenging but fun. Like tiring. I think that's the <laughs> mine. Don't sleep. Like still, uh, Mally was fine. Oh, well, once Mally got all her teeth, she was really good, and we're nearly there with Max. So I'm hoping, like then, we'll we'll they're okay. They're not. There. It's just not the best, but it's fine. Like it is for it is. It doesn't make training that easy. That's one of the funny things. So we were saying about social media earlier. It's like, I love seeing all these posts of triathletes with their legs up in their recovery boots. Like 
getting my recovery in. I just had my nap and I'm like covered in like Play-Doh or something. So, or I come in from running and then like one of the kids is screaming or needs something. I'm just like, uh, that's what I don't have anymore. Just that, not that I, I'm not complaining, just makes me laugh. It's just like, it's just yeah. the complete, but you never know. You don't realize like until you have a kid, like that time just doesn't exist. That little rest period you have like, I have my my time for me and my training and that kind of stuff. But then outside of that, it's just like gone. <laughs> How much do you really enjoy, say, the longer rides where it's just you? That, well, is it the open road at the moment? Are you allowed to go out for long rides? Yeah, no, yeah, no, we can go riding and stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's, and I, I try and train a lot around them as well. Like especially in the lockdown last year, that first period, and because like Mark's like a like brilliant dad he's fine with the two of them on his own but if I'm like off to uh, actually I had to do a lot of turboing or zwifting at that time yeah. just because they, we weren't meant to ride too far so but just have like a, at that point um a one-year-old and a two-year-old on your own for four hours while your wife is on the turbo <laughs> like it's just it's it's challenging so I would kind of get up and maybe start my rides like really early so I all kind of get on after they've gone to bed or something just to make life easier so we had that bit of balance um so yeah I do enjoy the training time because it is that kind of um is that sort of yeah switch off isn't it and then enjoy and I love it you know I love some biking running I wouldn't be doing this still if I didn't (laughs) so yeah it is really nice to do that so before you had kids you you always imagined I'll definitely be coming back into elite professional triathlon racing, but that was always the goal. Yeah. I think especially yeah. with Mally, uh, cause I had, I did Rio and then um, luckily kind of got pregnant quite quickly. And then it, the aim was always to come back. Um, but when I started training after having Mally, I mean, I'd, I've had a bad back for years. I've got a, a slippage right at the bottom of my back, which is kind of a genetic thing that had caused, like loads of my injuries over the past years but that slippage was kind of like slipping further forward and then the pregnancy relaxed everything so Uh I was getting back to running and I'd have these episodes where and not fast running you know just anything just like I did my first sort of longer run of 50 minutes I'm like oh you know I did really well and then later that day my back just kind of went and I couldn't walk for a week and there was certain things that happens like this is just not sustainable so we went to see a few surgeons and, and at that point I'm like there's no way I'm ever competing again I just need my back fixed so I can pick up my daughter because she's four months old and I can't pick her up so yeah, we um we fa- yeah a surgeon we found a surgeon who was like um we saw a few but really clicked with one he was really positive and kind of like you know competing again is unlikely but I was like don't not worry just do I need the surgery if I do if I it was basically like I want to go for a run in 10 years. I want to go surfing. I want to be able to pick up my surfboard and carry it to the beach. I want to pick up my daughter. Can I do these? Mm. He said, it's unlikely with your back in this state. So I had a spinal fusion surgery. So I was like, well, not competing anymore then. Um, But then actually, you know, got back to swim, bike and run again, because I love it and was starting to get a bit fitter, but it just, it still, it still didn't feel 100%. So I said to Mark, like, if we're going to have another kid, we should probably just do it now because my back's not great. And he wasn't that keen. <laughs> he was like, mm, two, because he's an only child. He's like, we don't need two. Um, and for a long time, he, not for a long time, the whole time I was pregnant, he called Max the spare child. He won't like me saying that. Just a joke, obviously, but <laughs> he was the spare one. 
<laughs> and then um so we had Max and he's obviously he's no longer the spare, he's his own <laughs> little personality. But um after that he was yeah, my back actually improved loads like really quickly. Um so I think just the, the extra time since the fusion surgery and it's funny, like, I'm, I mean, I, I competed once in Dubai in the start of 2020, and then obviously we went into um, lockdown. So the aim was obviously to keep racing last year too. But yeah, we'll just see what happens. Like, I'd love to get back to racing. And it's not for any, um, I think before I was always so goal-focused, Olympics, like this race, that race. Whereas now I'm just like, I obviously want to get to races and, and go and race them. But the last year has taught me any race is fine. Like I'm not picky. <laughs> Let's yeah. just do something. And I really want the kids to see me race. Like, and yeah. that's what that's one of my biggest drivers. Them to come and kind of watch me race. And I obviously want to get the best out of myself. But I don't know with my back the way it is after the surgery if I'll ever get back to kind of where I was. But yeah, I'll just keep training and see how I go. Really. <laughs> yeah. How did you actually pull up from Dubai? Uh, yeah not too bad um I mean it's the first time I'd ever run a half marathon so I was quite like I was pretty sore afterwards um but yeah I was in Dubai in the February and the guy was a guy out there looking after us who was helping me and my friend out when we were out there and I remember him being on the phone to someone in Hong Kong like we're ordering like four million extra masks and I was like what is going on and obviously now um yeah we came back and everything was kind of kicking off so yeah, it wasn't too bad, but as in lockdown, just through everything, it, we went, you know, we completely had lost our sort of routine. We had the kids all the time, which normally we see both that we have both our parents for support or we have, I mean, the kids go to nursery two days. So just managing everything. And I did some of the tethered swimming in the pool. You know, everyone was, it was like all the rage. Everyone was like tying like a bungee yeah. and it really hurt my back. So I was like... Oh for goodness! Like, what am I doing? Oh, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was just really up and down. So, um, yeah, I was. I think I pulled up pretty well after the race, but things just went into chaos then. And it's always at that point. It was kind of keeping the kids stable and happy first, and then training came second a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and having two. I feel you. I obviously we were in lockdown here for a while, and having one small human was full on but two um and I guess Marley being a little bit older than than Frankie there's more stuff she wants to do and be outside and see her friends and things like that yeah I mean we're lucky we had um like we had a good really good sized garden and and the weather was good so paddling pool that kind of thing I think I've got friends who have teenagers and I think that's really tough I think lockdown's hard at any age but that teenager where there's they've lost a lot of, you know, because the sports clubs, they've lost a lot of motivation and, mm. you know, it's, it's very easy just to stay online because their friends are online as well and that's social. Sure. So whereas with the little ones, you can keep them kind of active and engaged a little bit more. But yeah, oh, it's just little things. Like we used to go to like a cafe and just have donuts and sit outside and we can go and get donuts. We used to bring them back or sit in the car. It's just like, we just, it would be so nice to kind of get them out and about. We've just been allowed back to the beaches, which has been amazing. So yeah. hopefully you realize how much we took these things for granted before yeah, <laughs> appreciate definitely. Them a bit more. definitely yeah it's it was um it was a tough few months yeah well hopefully things are starting to look up again um yeah speaking of the beach you're a surfer I'm really not very good at all <laughs> but you can surf 
I can sit, I can stand up and go a long way. Yeah, but I've not surfed properly since, say, probably 2016. Because it's that's when we were in. Uh, after Rio, we spent oh, we spent months. We were in California for months, so yeah. I was surfing a lot then. And then the surf's not not brilliant right by us, so I go in every now and then. But if it's a choice of with the kids, if it's a choice, if there's only me or Mark, then he'll go in because like he loves it. Like he is grown up surfing. Like it is his it yeah so it's it's more his thing so yeah. when the kids are a bit older I'll get back into it a little bit more but I do love it I just like being in the sea you know sitting out there on a board and yeah yeah it's a lovely feeling isn't it just being I, in water I, in general yeah I, I so, someone told me this the like the theory of um salt water therapy so either sweating sweating it out um crying it out or getting in the in the ocean and I reckon it's true. There's just something, something about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I think you do feel like a lot, just from being near the sea, isn't it? Just going, just we take the kids down with the buckets and things. I mean, it's absolutely freezing. I think it's eight degrees at the moment. So not for me, but loads of people have like, because they've missed the pool so much, they're just going yeah. in. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll put my suit on and my hat full of boots and see how long <laughs> I can last. Not long. <laughs> Well, I'm impressed. I, I have a theory. Not not many triathletes are very coordinated. Um, at least the ones I've spoken to. Uh, so, and you agree? I'm well. I'm, I'm useless. Like, I can't just, hit a tennis. Oh, can't okay. Yeah. Tennis ball. Like hand eye. Like yeah. absolutely terrible. Can't <laughs> kick a ball. I'm having to learn these things now as well. With Max and the guys. And I'm well. I'm Mali. I'm kicking. They kick better than me already. So. <laughs> Thankfully, they haven't got my genes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a whole heap of triathletes that I know of who can surf. So it impresses me, but it also impresses me because I want to do it as well. I just keep saying it, but never do it. But in here in Melbourne, near the airport, there's a, um, it's called Urban Surf. So it's one of those big pool wave oh, things. Yeah. And, yeah. So I need to, I need to go and do that. No excuses. Yep. Well, there's one near us, and uh, when everything's open again, that's me and Mark gonna do it. We're like, right, we're we're getting we'll get, get the kids out for we're just for a day. Get the kids out for a day, and then um, yeah, we'll go down there and do it. Because I have not been in for ages, so I'd like to go and yeah, learn again probably. <laughs> <laughs> Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports Wits Up to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash witsup. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash witsup. And I assume you know how to spell witsup. Uh, okay, back to the podcast. Uh, now, I want to ask, and again, this is something I found when I was just doing some scrolling and a little bit of research. Um, it's a controversial topic. Not a coffee drinker. No. Oh, I just don't like it. No. I don't. How have you survived two children, a back surgery and lockdown without coffee? Surely there has to be something else. Um, well, tea uh, doesn't really do the same. I probably drink too many like diet drinks as well. Like I'm, I'm reducing it because it's like, but I'm like, it's pretty much my only vice. I'm like, it's not too bad. Although, although the start, we definitely drank more last year than we've ever done through like the lockdown period. And I've never like 
we've never drunk much at all like end of season kind of thing but like yeah that's not good <laughs> so um yeah I need to reduce that again well no we ha- that has reduced but yeah diet drinks probably not the best thing but no I just don't like it I'm just not a fan I used to I can do a biscuit dunked in it but that's about it <laughs> and I'm like oh god don't ruin the coffee with the biscuit <laughs> uh um okay I need you to excuse me explain growing up because you you grew up for a bit in Wales right but you weren't where were you born uh so I was born in Scotland so I always get a lot of people saying oh you're Scottish but um my um parent my my dad was in the air force so we travel like traveled around a lot so he was based up there I was born in Scotland yeah they then moved over to Germany. So we spent a f- about three years in Germany and my sister was born in Germany. Oh, then he wow. got posted back to Wales. So I was about five, I think then, four or five. So I started school in Wales. So, and then my, then my dad had to move away again, but my mum kind of kept us in Wales and he kind of would just, you know, he, he didn't get posted far. So um, right. we stayed here ever since. They live still live in the same, same place, like... Um, it's only about half an hour from me so it's a really lovely area like we're close to, you know close to the beach um it's a really sort of quiet town and yeah it's uh so yeah sort of settled here and yeah. and that's been it ever since really so when you uh because I always get confused but when you race at the Commonwealth Games you're racing for Wales is that right I race for Wales yeah I mean uh, strictly as I because my parents are English um so I could choose either of them but for me I've only ever grown up in Wales I've only ever raced for Wales like Welsh before I even had a choice at Commonwealth Games I raced like Welsh schools um yeah Welsh schools athletics and then for my everyone I swam with in my swimming club was Welsh and I was in the team with them so for me to be like when I was older go oh no I'm English it just didn't didn't make any sense to me like there's it's for me it's I felt Welsh I'd been here my whole life so um yeah yeah that's kind of what I stuck with you you do get a few people who are die you know the die hard Welsh they're like she's not really Welsh <laughs> okay but then someone with a grandmother who is Welsh who lives somewhere else is so it doesn't make sense but yeah it's it's all I've ever kind of known really and I've trained here my you know all the time as well like I'm probably when I've been really lucky like um a lot of British athletes or athletes from other countries I suppose have to move to a centre and sort of train within the centre and live there. But I've kind of always kind of performed pretty well from a home environment and kind of been able to stay in that home environment and been supported in it. So I had great support from like the Welsh Institute of Sport. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's home apart yeah. from training. We used to go to Australia for like really long training camps. <laughs> kind of missed that actually, yeah. <laughs> like escape, escaping for the winter and stuff. And we used to stay in Noosa. Um, so yeah, I'd love, to, um, I'd love to get back out there at some point. One day one day definitely yeah yeah um just um by the by my gran is welsh but oh, is she? in australia for a very long time yep is she is she does she claim welsh or australian now <laughs> it's a it's a good question i don't think i've ever actually asked her that question um but she Austra- sorry australians kind of like the welsh though don't they they don't like the english but they don't mind the welsh well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a problem with either. 
uh, but <laughs> it was I think we remember when we were there for the Commonwealth Games um, in Melbourne and they didn't on Australian news they didn't show any of the other national anthems apart from the Australian national anthem <laughs> and then one of the Welsh swimmers won a medal and they showed the national they showed them singing the national anthem we were like no way like <laughs> so um, maybe not I don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to ask around. I don't know. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that was, it was maybe just controversy between like the Scottish, English and Welsh teams at the time when we were out here, <laughs> when we were out there. Uh, so is it, is it just you and your sister? Yeah, just me and my, my sister's three years younger. Yeah. And, and she, is, yeah. Sorry, you go. Oh, she's got, she had a little girl the same time as I had mine. They're only two weeks apart. So that was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. And does she yeah. live close? No, no, she lives um, She lives in England. She's about three hours from us, so we haven't seen her much over the last year. Right. We saw her a little bit, but, um, yeah, not much. So that's, like, FaceTime and Zoom and stuff has been amazing for that, just to keep in touch. So Because yeah. the cousins still know each other, which even through FaceTime, which is so, so cool. Oh, my gosh, FaceTime. Frankie pick, picks up the phone now and FaceTimes her well my mum her nan and I'm like I just you're two and a half how do you don't it's insane and it's not like we've sat down and showed her how to do it she just they watch everything they're yeah insane Um, they do so uh so what does your sister do and how does she feel about growing up with a superstar two-time world champion um well, she she's a swim teacher, so she used to, um, she's done a few things. She was a um, kind of massage therapist for a while, then she's worked in um, gyms, and then she went into sort of kind of kids swim teaching and like antenatal swim teaching. But so she's had a really rough year of the last year because she just mm. hasn't been able to do anything. Um, I don't know what she thinks about growing up. I mean, she used to always get, she used to hate it in school because she was Helen's sister. <laughs> because like oh it's Helen who does sports and you're her sister so and they'd be like oh you're you're not and she'd be like with I wasn't as good as you so they weren't as they weren't interested but I think yeah she's she's really proud I think of what I've done but um I do feel bad she got dragged around the country to triathlon competitions swimming competitions and my mum and dad always made sure they did stuff with her like they used to take her to um like if I went away for a, a training camp or something, they would take her to um, like London to see a show or different things, just bits, and, just stuff they never did with me. They did kind of with her to kind of yeah. even things out. But I do, I do feel like a lot of it was centered around me, but she does say now it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, do you know what? Being the sporty Helen Jenkins sister is better than what I had, which my brother was naughty and I would get from the teachers oh the notorious handsome family so if I stepped out of line a oh, little no. bit I'd be like oh well yeah. so, I know you're just tired aren't you with what the the older sibling has done <laughs> yeah and then by the third because I'm a younger brother as well they were just like oh whatever <laughs> it doesn't matter by then <laughs> no it doesn't matter we give up whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, what kind of, um, like, I imagine you were quite a studious, um, stu- studious student. You were quite, quite a uh, student. Yeah, well, I was well all behaved. Right. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was really quiet and like pretty shy. I did all my work and then I did GCS, 
GCSEs, A-levels. I think the probably the most controversial thing I did was not apply for university probably in school. I remember they're like going in to see the careers teacher and they're like, oh, you know, you haven't put in your, your, your university application and stuff. I'm like, I just don't want to go. I'm just going to do triathlon <laughs> for a while. And they're like, is that a career opportunity? I'm like, yeah, I think it will be. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, that was it. And um, I mean, my plan was always to go back to, and study but I just wanted to do a few years of triathlon first, give it everything. And then I think if it hadn't played out, then I would have gone back to you to uni. I wasn't going to do it if I wasn't any good at it, but yeah. I thought I could be pretty good. So I was like, I'm just going to give this a go. And, um, and like I had an amazing experience because I finished my school year. I had one year left as a junior. So went and did world champs in, um, oh no, where was it? I don't know. I think I did world champs in Queenstown in like the December or something. And then I went on a training camp after that with like um, the center I was training with, with like Leander Cave was on it. And like Leander had won worlds in 2002, hadn't she? So I was, and then we went over and we we're training with all these like amazing Australian athletes. So I was just like thrown in at the deep end at a young age, just around these amazing professionals. And I think I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Like, and yeah. I, I learned so much from seeing how those kind of older athletes were, and what it takes as well. Because yeah. as a young athlete, you know, it takes a lot of training, but I think you don't realize how much dedication and the professionalism you need to mm-hmm. apply. And I remember, like I did, we did a race. It's one of my first Olympic distances. And there was like, a, there was like a ridiculous amount, like 10 past world champions in the race. It was crazy. Yeah. And I'd been training pretty well. Like in some sessions, I was like, I was kind of nearly under, or like I was keeping up with a few others. I thought, God, you know, I could go there and re- go go really well. And I was, I was absolutely smashed. Like I was miles behind. It, it makes you realize like it's not about like one good session or having that kind of. It's about years of consistency and doing like even average, just getting the training done and kind of going out there and completing it, and then yeah. applying yeah. that to races and. Yeah, being around those kind of athletes taught me a lot. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah, continually banking things, not really banking the good days and the bad days, I guess, because yeah, not every yeah. day is going to go your way, right? Oh yeah, it's not. Oh god, definitely not. But yeah, not obsessive, and that's what I've always been quite good at. That actually, maybe from that experience when I was young, it's You're just right. it's not um, a bad session's a bad session. It is what it is. It's annoying, but it's um, yeah. it's not the end of the world, and I think people can get so kind of focused on it and, and really kind of yeah I've, oh, I've failed this session my key session and didn't hit it it's like yeah but as long as you you actually tried your best and get it out mm-hmm. some days it just doesn't work and the best thing to do is actually pull the pin and kind of yeah. try it again next week or something so yeah, just yeah I've always been up. able to, I've always been able to kind of get on with it and just get that consistency which is what is needed in, in the long run yeah, definitely. How did the conversation go? Obviously not so great with the career counsellors. Uh, <laughs> how did it go with your parents that uni wasn't on um, the horizon? I think they were, they were pretty good because they, um, they would have, they obviously would have helped me with money if I wanted to go to uni, but they didn't want me to go if I wasn't, you know, set on what I wanted to do. It wasn't like, I'll oh, just go and they didn't want me to go and do mess around for you I didn't know what I wanted to do apart from triathlon so I think mm-hmm. they were quite happy for me to wait and I think a big thing for me my uncle 
was in the Navy and he was in the Navy for, uh, you know, a long time. And then he came out and trained as a nurse when he was in his fifties. So I was like, well, that's like, I could go oh, and do cool. that when, yeah, I can go and kind of do something like that whenever I wanted to. So I think there was always lots of different, yeah, they, they were actually fine with it. So it was, yeah. that helped as well. Yeah, it definitely helped. And, and that I was kind of focused on what I wanted to do. It wasn't like I was just going to like, yeah, I'm just going to try triathlon for a bit. And I was just like, it's like, if I'm not earning money at a certain point, then, you know, that's that's going to be it. Yeah. I did I to be uni, able to support myself. But like, I respect that. Well, I think it's hard to know what you want to do at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I did uni having no real idea what I wanted to do. I, I don't want to say it was a waste because I'm sure I had experiences and I learned things that, I probably can't put my finger on, but obviously, you know, I was going to say help me mature, but that's not, that's not true. Uh, but, you know, help me grow or whatever. Uh, but I certainly don't look back at uni days and, you know, think that my degree no. has changed my life or anything. No, and I don't, I don't wouldn't want to say it. it's a waste. Either. I think my, it wasn't that I didn't want to go to uni, it was that I wanted to do something a hundred percent like because I spent the last few years of my A-levels kind of doing like what and I know I could have got better A-levels if I didn't train as much not that it hasn't made a difference in the long run but it could have done and like I like I got a C in biology and I know like I could have easily got a B with if I'd just done a little bit less training (laughs) which is just ridiculous I didn't need to do it at that age but so I think it was just I wanted to do something a hundred percent. And if I if yeah. I decided to knock triathlon on the head, I would have gone into uni, maybe not done the thing I ended up doing, but given it a hundred percent. So that was really the, I think, what it was for me. But you gain so much from any experience, like, and I was, you know, being away from home, kind of standing on your own two feet, which I kind of did in triathlon when I had to go away for months on camps and things. So yeah. I think that independence is important. Yeah, definitely. And any any time you. I mean, you've got to follow your gut. That's what I think. Um, and it sounded yeah. like that that gut instinct was pretty strong. And if that's something you wanted to do 100%, then wh- why fight that? Like, I, I think, though, a lot of people don't take that leap. Like a lot of people are scared to take that leap and go all in. Because um, that, that in itself is a, is a scary thing. Yeah, it is a scary thing. I think I'm thinking more UK here as well. And you definitely want to have options, which is why a lot of the triathlon centres are in universities. So it does give people that, um, you know, you get an education as well if it doesn't work out. But some for some athletes, it might need to go all in. But I say it's, it's hard to know what to do if you're a young athlete. Then that's why in the UK, that's what tends to happen. You tend to end up at kind of one of, kind of, one of the two big triathlon centres. And I think some athletes probably get lost by doing that. But it's... Yeah it's really as a system it's hard to support everyone everywhere so you have to kind of do something (laughs) yeah yeah definitely so so growing up your dad was in the air force you said yeah and mum um full-time looking after you and your sister no she she worked in a supermarket so she kind of I think when we were young she kind of did some nights and stuff um so just she was home with us most of the time. So my dad would come home from work and she would kind of go. Um, and then she didn't really go full. Yeah, she, she went full time then when we were a bit older. Yeah. Farah, I cannot imagine staying at home all day with my kids and then going to work. But that's, <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. 
I know, I know. It is crazy. I mean, we grew up on, so like the R, not, you know, in the RAF base, but on quarters, which is just like outside. So everyone's in the same boat. There's like families from all over the UK and with probably, you know, without much support. Well, not without, you are without sort of family support because Mm. my grandparents were all miles away and all our rest of our family were. So there is that very close knit network, you know, everyone around you is married quarters. So everyone has kids. They're all kind of in there together. So we had a great time. Like there was loads of kids around and sometimes we'd be, my mum needed a break probably. We'd be down at, you know, a few doors down with the other kids and it, and it worked vice versa as well. So it's not the same as having your mum around the corner. Like I'm really lucky to have my parents and my in-laws really close with the kids. Cause if you're having a tough day, <laughs> just pop over somewhere else for a five minute break makes a massive difference, doesn't it? So yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And we're kids all day then work. <laughs> I, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, feed up, put TV on. Don't think about anything else. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so your parents are still together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, what was it? I guess it's quite a unique, exp- well, unique to me because I haven't done it, but experience having a dad in the air force who's, you know, traveling a lot. And I guess early on you guys were traveling a lot until you, until you um, settled because of school and whatnot. But what do you think that kind of lifestyle ta- taught you? Yeah, it's, it's funny. We did, I did a lot of this. We had like, um, kind of did an interview. A psychologist did an interview. It must have been like a study set by British Triathlon and they did some stuff with me and then um, my parents as well and how kind of, um, if there's any, and they did it with a lot of athletes to see if there's any sort of like links between what, gener- you know, elite athletes and their parents. And I think for my parents, they've gained that. So I don't really remember the traveling round but I think it's just that really supportive environment, I think, and the least pushy parents ever. Like if I was going anywhere, I was expected to try hard, like because they'd made an effort to get me there. They they didn't have loads of money, but they they paid a lot of my swimming and all the races, anything I needed to do like that. If I needed equipment, like we got it, it wouldn't be the best or anything. Like for Christmas, I had like bike shoes and pedals, you know, <laughs> because that's what I wanted. Um <laughs> But I think it's just that, yeah, supportive to get me to places, but never pushy. And that's the biggest thing they've given me. There was never any expectation that I had to do anything other than try my best, which I think that's what I hope to kind of pass down to our kids as well is, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I've got. That's what's helped me the most in, in what I do. And myself, I'm pretty, pretty driven and focused. So that must have come from them somewhere yeah. as well. Yeah, I, that kind of circles back to how we even started our conversation about giving kids the tools for them to be able to lead their own way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's weird being a parent now, and I don't know if you feel like this, but it's like I just often think, like I watch Frankie play and I just think, what what are you going to do? What what are you going to be? And like, it just you get to be whatever you want to be because there's no – Nothing has happened. I, I mean, I guess at any, like you talked about your uncle, I think, who became a nurse when he was yeah. 50. So you can actually pretty much do whatever you want whenever. Yeah, yeah, you can change, but, can't you? Yeah, but a little blank, they're little blank canvases. And I find that, I find it so interesting. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And I think they're, they're both their parents, so they've, they've got 
two Olympians as parents. So already there's that. There's probably is that bit of expectation. I know one of the teachers in school had said something to Mally about or something about fast running because she, she she's got um sporty parents. But uh, I mean she is fast. She she loves running. She takes she just loves I can't get her she doesn't want to like her bike at all, which is fine. But yeah um she um she does love running. So yeah, I wonder if there's that I just want to sh- almost shelter them from that. It's just and give them as much opportunity as possible, as many sports as possible as a young age and then they can kind of make the decision. I think that's hopefully what we'll do. <laughs> possible. Yeah. Do you do you feel like they're both getting probably more so Marley because she's a little bit older, getting her own little personality and who do you think she draws from? more is, oh. it, is she a good combo of both of you no it's funny that well even max like is nearly two and oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so stubborn like he's, so that's Mark, he's, right yeah i think <laughs> she's she's more easygoing yeah. she's just more level like she does she she's happy she, she doesn't she like we've touched we've never had the massive tantrums or anything like that with her but with max we'll have those he's 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 like so happy or he's so like distressed. <laughs> like today he's not feeling well. So I've, and he's just learned the word carry. So all I've done today is carry, oh carry him everywhere. And so it's um, where she is, she's more easygoing and level. So I don't know. I think that's probably a bit more me. Um, so I almost want to encourage her to kind of go out of that a little bit more. And because um, I don't think I, I, I probably should as well. So kind of push her out of that little the, her comfort zone a little bit. But um yeah, and but 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 Mark that Matt's being seven, that's probably both me and Mark, to be to be fair. I mean, this is like he will only wear one coat. I had to buy him a new coat today and it I had to bribe him to get it, him into his new coat because he only wants his old coats. And he and he want he's got he only wants to wear Mally's old pink wellies, so that's all he wears. He's running around today and his pink wellies because that's his like favorite thing he doesn't want to put anything else on so he's so stubborn we just kind of go with it <laughs> but whatever they want to do right <laughs> so funny what they fixate on it just I, yeah it just it <laughs> it makes me laugh frankie didn't sleep pretty much all last week for whatever reason um it, it changes developmental change whatever it was but like i think I, I think they're smarter than what, well, I think she's smarter than what I give her credit for. She knows how to play <laughs> at the heartstrings. So she'll be crying at night and I need mama to cuddle. I need mama on the couch. I just need, oh, I just need love, whatever. <laughs> just, and you're like, oh my God. Oh, they know. But then they know. They, they totally know. But I stayed at a friend's house because uh, I was down at um, Geelong uh, covering a race down there. And she just wouldn't sleep. And my mate was like, hang on a second. Cause I was like calling the doctor. Maybe I need to take her in because there's something happening. And my mate's like, all right, let me put her down like that. Cause there was no yeah, emotional no. attachment. She didn't know how to mess with her. And I'm like, oh my God, they're little manipulators. I know. I know. They know. It all comes out with, with, with you though, doesn't it? Cause you're there they they hold it together they can hold it together i can't they for everyone else but for you it all sort of comes out and they know what to say to make us kind of stay with them because that's what they want <laughs> oh my god then she started saying i'm so scared i'm so scared oh uh, she must be talking to mally they've probably been they've probably been doing their own podcast because they say the same things <laughs> 
Oh God. And then last night Brett put her to bed and she saw her shadow on the wall and um, Brett came out and said, Oh, that really scared her. And I tried to tell her that daddy shadows, like it's a friend and all this kind of stuff. And she was screaming. And I'm like, we have to stay strong. Like just, it'll be okay. And he's looking at me like, she was so scared though. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, oh. I don't know if she was. Let's see. 10 minutes later. Yeah. Gone. Oh, I know. <laughs> Little shits. I know. <laughs> That's why I drank too much in lockdown last year. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, oh, that's why I'm impressed that it locked down two kids. Um, well, probably a sore back at, at some stage um, and no coffee. So of course you've got to have something else advice, <laughs> at, the, advice at the other end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, Let's talk about Mark. You guys have been together for mm-hmm. quite some time, right? Yeah, yeah, long time. Yeah. How long? Um, yeah. Well, I was seventeen, so oh god, this is that like, long. Yeah, I know, a really long time. I was, um, I was, well, I knew him through swimming club. I've known him for a long time. So Mark was twenty two or 23 so I thought I like if Molly comes home with a 23 year old like I will not be letting her out the door like so I don't know what my mum and dad were thinking but again they knew him from swimming and stuff so yeah it kind of went from there like it was just friends at swimming and um yeah it just really clicked and and he never we got married when I was 24 um but he kind of became my coach when did he become my coach so before that I'd had a really sort of rough time with injury and the coach I've been working with is it really funny with coaches I think we all say about how athletes deal with injuries but then coaches also have to deal with injuries as well and mm. that coach's expectation for you and their perception of you I think and the, the perception of my coach was that I wasn't doing everything I should be for my injury and and I kind of was or I wasn't in the right place to do that and it just we never had a conversation we never had a conversation about it it was very much like just wasn't talked about and it should have been and yeah, right. we we parted ways and um pretty much i was told at that point by the performance director at the time of british triathlon they didn't think i was going to come back from my injury and they didn't think i was going to make the olympics this was before this was the year before beijing and i was like oh okay that's right um and at that point Mark started coaching me because we we weren't sure what to do I just just lost my funding and we were like well we care more about what happens to us than anyone else and he was he was really struggling so I mentioned earlier his underlying health he's got underlying health stuff he's he suffers from blood clots he's got genetic disorders which cause his blood to clot so all the years he was competing as an athlete the biggest risk fractures are sort of dehydration genetic well genetic factors dehydration and then flying so he would go to a race get massively dehydrated fly to the next race get mad so he's probably had blood clots through his career that he dealt with and eventually so, this mass sorry can sorry. I, sorry to interrupt so when did he find out that he had that um condition um so he found out in 2000 i think it's 2005 so the year after the olympics in oh. 2000 he raced in 2004 and then he, he woke up one morning and his leg, he, he was, he'd been training terrible all week. Like he'd been training awful. He'd been on the track and some people that shouldn't, wouldn't normally be anywhere close to him were like beating him by miles. He's like, something's not right. 
Yeah. Um, and then he went to a time trial and they said this fat guy rode past him. <laughs> I remember him saying, he's like this massive fat guy. He's like, <laughs> and he said he just pulled off. And um, then like about a week later, he, he woke up morning, his, his leg was enormous. Like his, his calf, it was like a balloon blown up. And we're like, uh, right, go to hospital. And and um, one of the doctors we know from Welsh Tri, we he didn't, maybe, oh, in casualty, they said he pulled a muscle um so oh we went so, went so he rang someone else and they got us into a different hospital and then um, huge blood clots stuck behind his knee and like he's so lucky it hadn't shot off because it had mm. gone through his lungs they knew it had gone through his lungs oh. he had them in his lungs but obviously hadn't gone to the brain so um oh my god then they then they did all the testing but there was loads of history in his family and it's just it's just it just hadn't all the dots hadn't been connected between his family you know there were there was some of his mums his mum has it she had blood clots when she was having Mark. Um, his her mum, her so Mark's uncle. I think there was some of his mum's uncles that had died. So it all got connected. He's been on sort of blood thinners pretty much since then. Yeah. So yeah. So at that time he wasn't doing anything because he was kind of not competing because his blood clots and all sorts. So he had a bit of free time as well. So was like started coaching me <laughs> and then obviously that was sort of 2007 time and then I became world champion and qualified for the Olympics and got back, put bit back bit on funding well it, <laughs> it, it it never felt that satisfying to be honest um they did apologize but it wasn't it wasn't the point it was in a way um it was the best thing that ever happened because sure. although I don't think it was entirely fair it was kind of a it made me believe in myself. We made me, me and Mark made the best decision for ourselves at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think continue, have continued to do that through my career. So it was, it was probably a good thing. Yeah. Okay. In the long run. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Cause I mean, yeah. I imagine a lot of people could be quite, quite bitter. Um, yeah. It's things can, it's a sliding doors kind of moment. Things could really have changed uh, yeah. either way. Yeah. Yeah, they could have done. And I think, as I always think that with the, the funding and the systems we have, I think in, in Britain, we're, we're really privileged. There's, there's really good funds there. You have to be very good to get it. It's not like they just get, you know, give it to anyone. So you do have to achieve a certain level, but it can, it can make, um, it can make your life easier, but it can also make athletes comfortable. It can kind of mm. make performance decline in some cases. So I think it's, that kick very early on that this is not going to last forever and this is this is a privilege to have um kind of always made me kind of appreciate what I had later on when I was funded and not completely rely on it because it could be taken away at any moment <laughs> yeah okay okay that's it I like that perspective so married coaching then kids yeah things you're all very intertwined and it still works yeah I mean a lot it's kind of the question we do get that question a lot it's like oh how do you spend so much time together yeah. um and I'd say since having kids we spent less time together because mm. we used to train a lot together and we don't get to do that now yeah. I mean it's I say we are I say we'd like, well, we, the kids go to nursery or Maddie goes to school and Matt goes to nursery sort of two days um, but they're busy like we have a private like a private coaching company now as well so Mark has that he's he's got lots of different things going on all the time so our time together is more limited now so when we do actually get to train together it's like yeah it's like the best thing ever so it's, it's that's really nice actually yeah but um 
yeah, it's, we just it's just kind of worked for us. We do we we do enjoy each other's company, so that's good. And but the only I think the only way we've survived is with not having triathlon as the central focus of our lives. It's right. like if it was, I think it would be too much. It's definitely it's part of it, obviously. But when we're in the house, it's not like we don't discuss triathlon very much. We'll discuss what training's coming up, or maybe my this but we're not focused on the wider triathlon world it's very much just kind of what we're doing yeah and that's kind of the focus but as and again after sort of London 2012 where I had this massive injury leading into it and was one of the favorites and came fifth so fifth was still good but it obviously it was just such an emotional like three months leading into it it kind of almost not I say almost broke us we were never going to you know get divorced or anything but emotionally and mentally we were broken after that so things had to change after that as well and there were more people in our coaching team after that there's more people for Mark to bounce around ideas with there's more people to deliver information to me so if things ever got that intense again there was more people to share that load and kind of um, work with us so um, that's that's helped over the years too yeah right okay I'm I'm glad you did bring up uh London Olympics it was something I wanted to talk to you about um if you don't mind I'm you probably no, of course, talking no. about it um and, and you you pretty much summed it up the kind of line of questioning I was going to take in terms of being the favorite um essentially hometown essentially yeah yeah, yeah. Games, uh, <laughs> yeah. um and unfortunately having that injury and like you say fifth place you know fifth at the Olympics is still a phenomenal race but obviously not what you're going in for and not what people were expecting or hoping um yeah can, can we think, t- yeah sorry yeah yeah it's, it's funny in London as I am so proud of it now because I shouldn't have been oh, fit good. like there's, there's no way like after the the amount of running I did like it was it was not, like I just didn't run for three <laughs> I pretty much ran for the last sort of three weeks before the games and like the day before the games I couldn't run like it was so painful so it was it was a nerve injury like we didn't know it was all in my knee it was this massive knee pain like the day after I did it I think I mean I'd had warning signs that my back wasn't right for a good six months before but it's the London Olympics it's the home Olympics you just ignore it and get on with it and the the day my knee kind of got really sore like I couldn't walk it was like horrific and I've never had pain like it and it's and managed it to a certain point. And then in the end, we just had to stick a load of steroids in there to get through it. Um, yeah. So I'm really proud of it now, but it took a long time. And it's, it wasn't, it was never so much the other people's expectation because if I'd been thinking about other people's expectation, I don't think I would have even been able to walk onto the start line because it just would have weighed me down. I mean, my, right. my, my, there was a picture of me on one of the hotels, like near, <laughs> near the Olympic village. You drive past, I was like, oh, there's me on a hotel. I was like, and I'm meant to be going to the Olympics and winning a medal and I can't run. But if I'd let all that kind of get on top of me, I would have never have got on the start line. So um, my friend is a sports psych and she just said to me, just race the race as you would always race it. So that's what I did. So just kind of, I mean, it wasn't ideal. I I didn't swim well because I'd lost so much muscle and kind of just through stress, I think, leading into the race. The bike wasn't you know the bike was flat and kind of everything stayed together I didn't need to ride that well so I'm proud of the run because I did I did run well considering but it's I mean I get goose I get 
and goosebumps now thinking about the race the crowd you, you weren't there were you did you get over no, for london no i, I definitely watched online but yeah there's just the crowds it was it's just unbelievable and i think that kind of got me through as well because i don't think it's, there's no way you can kind of even not give 100 percent when there's like that many thousand people like screaming at you it was ridiculous mm-hmm. so yeah but it took a long time to feel proud of it 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 was I didn't race for the whole year afterwards. I think me and Mark <laughs> some sort of shock, yeah. but we had a lot. Of, so we had a lot of support to get through it. And so the team at British Triathlon at that point kind of gave me that room to improve, to, to get through it and come back from there, which, which made a massive difference. Yeah. And a lot of times speaking with psychs about it. Yeah. As sports psych, um, like performance lifestyle as well, which I think is, is amazing. Like performance lifestyle advisors, like in, in the UK that that funding's kind of protected from everything else and they'll help you with anything kind of I think just how you manage your life really is basically a bit of life coaching and that that kind of really helps both myself and Mark how we react to different situations how we react with each other and rely on each other and definitely I would if we hadn't had that support I don't think I would have been able to carry on to to Rio definitely yeah um it's so nice to hear you say that you're proud of it now because I, th- there would have been people there saying you did so well, telling you what 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 I could tell you right now. Like that was incredible what you managed to achieve despite all the odds. I could have told you that exact same thing the day after and there's no way, yeah. no way you took it in. No. Well, I, I, I still can't watch the race. I've never watched, I've seen clips of it, but I couldn't, um, I've seen the finish, obviously the, the girls sprinting, like Nicola and Lisa sprinting a million times, but, um, and Erin obviously third, but, um, yeah, I've never kind of watched it back. And the first time I went to Hyde Park, like after it, I was like proper, like, like, <laughs> like freaking out, like this is too, oh, too weird. Wow. But then I've been fine since then. So, yeah, there's probably some sort of like post-traumatic stress or something, which it is ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like again now it's it's something that and it's do you know the, the Olympics is amazing, it's an amazing thing. And like somebody goes there and gets a gold medal or silver bronze, fulfills their dreams. Like this is what they've dreamt of all their lives. But you know, everyone else in that race dreamt of those things too. And it's like, it doesn't make that any more less worthwhile. Like, and it's mm. so what I try and focus on when talking to sort of younger athletes is that you've got to enjoy that process of getting there because the result might not come and that might not be your fault. You might get sick on the way. This is not for Olympics, this is for anything. Mm. You might get sick, you might you might break your leg the day before this. You don't know. So you've got to take, you know, you've got to be, be proud and own that sort of process of getting to that race because that might be all you have left at the end and I say even for for Rio like I was in great shape and I got sick on the plane on the way there like that like I felt I was so the kind of the day after we landed I went running like Vicky Holland got third didn't she so I went running with Vicky and you're running down amazing isn't it running down Cobra Cabana Beach like it's just brilliant um it sounds made up doesn't it I know I know Vicky's like chatting away and I was at the end of the run and Mark was with us I was like it's really hot isn't it and that was so fast that run felt really fast like Vicky's in good shape and Mark's like it was a jog and it's not hot like (laughs) what is wrong with you so I just kind of got a bit but sorry come back to it now my build up for Rio the team that kind of worked with me like we were there was about five of us six six of us all in like we were all in for that sort of like time 
from sort of March through to August, like getting me ready for that games. And I'm so proud of what we did there as a team, even though I didn't get to kind of deliver on it. It's um, so you, yeah. Olympics is amazing. And I'd say any athlete going to, you know, we can't be prepared to fail. You've got to go there and, and mm. try and win. Haven't you? But for the for athletes afterwards that are struggling, it's like, or anyone who's struggling after a race when you didn't achieve what you want, it's you've still done amazing to, to get through that process. It's tough, yeah. isn't it? Like building up towards something. It's re- it's really hard. And like you say, you, you if you want to be a gold medalist, you can't go in expecting to fail. Like you just, you can't. Um, no. But in order to, I guess, for longevity in the sport and to continue getting over it, because everyone's going to have um, setbacks or hurdles, you also, what you said, you, you need to be able to respect the process and, and enjoy the process where you can, because on that one day in whatever it is, August or whatever, if things don't happen to yeah. go right, there's 364 other days of the year where you have to appreciate those. It's a, yeah. it's, and I, it's a very, very fine line. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I let it fuel me as well, like to, for the next race as well. So to go on to the next, you know, the next race, the next thing, there was always a desire to come back after London, mm. not to prove myself, but not to prove myself to anyone else, but just to me that I can kind of come back and race. So it was, um, yeah. Yeah. So you never go into a race thinking that you're not going to, not going to win or not going to perform, but it's just, yeah, I just, I've learned afterwards that you, it takes a bit of time. You, you have to have that kind of, period of being like upset and pissed off and everything don't you but you you, but to come to terms with it is that you've got to you've got to be proud of what you've done to actually get there Mm. yeah oh definitely I always find it really interesting particularly with the Olympics because it's such a you know it's every four years is it 40 women on the start line 35 40 um god I can't remember it might be more now 45, maybe 50 now? I can't remember. No, 40 or 50 really women. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I In know. our defence, it's now been nearly five years since the last exactly. one. Exactly. So. I can't remember. <laughs> it's been so long. But yeah. I, like I, I, I often think, you know, let's go with 50. There's 50 women about to line up for the Olympics. And in amongst those 50 women, there, there has to be, some who know they're not they're not winning gold like there has to be realistic expectations and then I just wonder what because you as a media person I'll interview people and not not one person is going to say oh I'm just I'm just going to the Olympics to you know triathlon's going to win on the day like no one's saying that um but like I just I just find that sort of I find it interesting. There's probably maybe 15 women who can win gold um, on, on yeah. the day. Then what, what yeah. are the 35 thinking? I don't, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's just going and I think I'm more in that position now. If I lined up for the Olympics, I'm, okay. I, know I know I wouldn't be winning. I'm happy to be here. I wouldn't qualify for the British team though, would I? If I oh wasn't my God. Going. I'd have no chance. Jesus Christ, those girls yeah. are fast. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting, isn't it? As he's not every, you're not going there to win every time. Like when I lined up in Dubai last year, it was, it was, and I would have said that to you before. It's like, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> like, cause I've, you know, I know I can swim for that distance. I've 
I know I can ride for that distance and run for that distance, but I've not tried to do it hard yet. <laughs> like this is the first time. So I think it is a, it's definitely a bit more unknown at that point. Yeah. I'm not, not sure. You'll have to yeah. in, interview if you find out a bit of, <laughs> a bit of research. Sorry. Hey, um, I'm interviewing you because I believe you're not going to do very well. Yeah. You're not going to, that wouldn't go so well with it. <laughs> um i have just one last question uh before i let you go and i appreciate your time because i know you're you're busy um the 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 london olympics game the games game race even the video do you think you'll ever watch it with your kids um no I don't think so I think if they wanted to watch it then then they they kind of know they know I swim bike and run because they'll be like oh I've got to go you know swim and Maddie but I don't go swim so I know it's I've got to swim bike and run so I can earn money so we can pay for our house (laughs) um um, so they kind of know that I think Mark might have shown them a clip before I think of the Gold Coast actually sort of in 20 um 16 yeah that's probably one of the best races ever so I think he's shown them a bit of that one um but they're not really that bothered um they like watching me swim I had some footage sent we did some underwater filming the other day and I had it on my laptop I was sending it to one of our swim coaches and she's like oh who's that and I said that's mummy swimming she's like oh because she calls it tiger arms she's like oh good good tiger arms um so I was like thanks I don't know. I don't if they wanted to watch it, they could, but I don't know why they'd ever want. Yeah, no, I don't know. It it could be it could be a val. You learnt a lot. It could be a valuable learning tool down the track. You never know. Yeah, it could be. I'd probably have to watch it without the commentary because other people's opinion is never that helpful, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Triathlon triathlon commentary is um, apart from yours. I've not listened to it. Although I know you do it, don't you? I've not listened to yours though. I don't what think you've done do? much live, really. Was the, what was the one? Sun, Sunshine Coast or Malulavar? Did you do that one recently? Somewhere? Oh, we, we um, yeah, we streamed Harvey Bay yeah. 100 live. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think my commentary would have been great, mostly because I was um, producing the show as well. So I was doing a thousand yeah. And Belly would say stuff, and I'd be like, "That's right." And back to Belinda on the ground. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done a little bit. It's actually, it's actually really tough to do, isn't it? To yeah. come up with interesting facts that everyone wants to know, because some people are like triathlon fans and know everything, yes. and some people are tuning in for the first time and don't even know what order everything is. So to cover everything is really hard. But Absolutely. yeah, I don't, I don't like listening to it. <laughs> So I kind of watch it with the sound off. <laughs> and just, just add some like really cool music. So just like, it's more epic yeah, or something course. like that. I like <laughs> Definitely. It. Oh, that's funny. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it was great just to connect and catch up again. We'll have to um, compare children's stories a bit more, I think. <laughs> Probably the same. Don't sleep manipulating (laughs) it's the manipulation that gets me far out they're so smart little devils (laughs) uh thank you so much and hopefully we can see you um across another half distance 
yeah that hopefully um i've no idea what's coming up so especially in the uk i'll just fingers crossed i can get to a race at some point this year even if it's yeah. december i don't care yeah. we'll just see what happens i'll keep training and trying to be fit anyway <laughs> excellent uh thank you so much and we will chat to you soon thanks steph bye Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback, but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode.